Hello. On this episode, I chat to first-time farmer Sophie Gregory, an Arla milk supplier based in Southwest. Listen on to hear how she juggles family life, running a business, and smashing it in the world of food and farming. Welcome to the Countryside Kitchen Meets, a food and farming podcast. I'm Millie Fife, your host. I'm a mum of two, farmer's wife, food producer and passionate about flying the flag for British food and farming. Today we'll be chatting to first-time farmer Sophie Gregory. Then I've got a few time-saving hacks when it comes to mealtime preparation, meaning you can juggle family life with the children and cook a tasty, nutritious meal too. Okay, let's introduce you to my guest. Situated at home farm in the southwest of England, Sophie Gregory and her partner milk 370 cows, which calve in the spring and autumn using a mixture of Frisians, Jerseys and Shorthorns bred for longevity, milk solids, which is fat and protein for cheese production, and their ability to convert grass into milk without needing lots of concentrated food. Each year, the cows produce around 2 million litres of milk and supply Arla, which is a farmer-owned cooperative, which Sophie sits on the board of. Sophie is a mum of three children and was awarded the Dairy Industry Women of the Year Award in 2021. What a fantastic ambassador you are, Sophie. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, how are you? Uh Thank you, Millie. It's so nice to be here. Thanks for asking me. I'm quite well, tired as always, but, but well. How are you? Yeah, good, good. So what time of day do you get up in the morning? How, yeah, what does your day start like? So it's about half four, depending on where on the farm the cows are. They're still out grazing at the moment. So they, um, they're about half an hour walk from the farm today. So I got off about half four, went and got them from the field. Um, and then my husband, Tom, um, started the parlour while they were walking up. I was just following them up. So yeah, about half four most mornings. How do you do it? I mean, do, do the children get up with you or do you leave them in bed and, you know, just sort of spin the plates? How do you manage? <laughs> um, they're quite good sleepers. They So I've got a 13-year-old, a 10-year-old and a 4-year-old. And the 13-year-old is very hard to get out of bed now. So he's, yeah, <laughs> definitely asleep. Um, the 4-year-old's the a good sleeper now. And yeah, the 10-year-old too. So I know they stay in the house. The parlour is right next to the house. So I'm pretty lucky in that respect. But when I come in for breakfast, I'm normally dragging them out of bed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's good that they're that way and they're not sort of trying to get out of bed at half four as well. And then you've got tired children later in the day. Oh, yeah. but Nothing worse. But then you must be tired as well. Yeah, I do. I do live off tea. Um, It's actually, I've only just started drinking tea about maybe a year ago and I'm not sure how I cope before that. Um, I sort of went off it when I was pregnant and then never went back to it. And um, I just, yeah, about a year ago, started drinking it and I now can't get enough of tea. So that keeps (laughs) me going. Um, But I, yeah, I just, I think um, I I am that kind of person that I do better in the mornings anyway. um, But I am exhausted by sort of half nine, ten o'clock. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. It, it's, it's one thing I'm not a morning person at all. I'm more of a night owl. Um, so the sort of thought of getting up at half four every day is just, yeah, I just couldn't do it. And there's probably a lot of people listening as well that probably think, 
blinking heck you know you get up at that time and then you, you know and you, you've sort of done a morning's work um before anyone else has actually got up mm. which probably can feel quite rewarding in some senses but then like you say it can be exhausting at the same time yeah, yeah. I do love that I love I actually that's a really good point that's something I really love is that um especially in the summer that it's it's light when I'm getting up and I can be in and take my kids to school because that's one of the reasons that I kind of came back to the farm originally was that it, my old job wasn't very flexible so mm. I was I'm now able to sort of get you know a good three hours working before the school run yeah which just means that I can take them to school which yeah. is really nice it's, I know that's a real luxury and I know I'm really lucky but I'm quite happy to take the tiredness to be able to do that yeah yeah definitely and I suppose it's not always going to be like that because as they get older they'll get a little bit more independent as well so yeah uh, yeah, yeah yeah so tell me how did you get involved in farming tell me a bit about your backstory met Tom when I was um 16 17 at Glastonbury Festival my husband and then um I actually had a baby at 18 on my gap year which is a bit of a shock mm-hmm. um and um, then I trained as an accountant basically it was something that I I'm quite good at maths and I quite like solving problems so I I trained as an accountant um and did that alongside having Harry and then Evie my middle one um and then I worked at a rural accountancy firm so um, they specialize in farm accounts um and then my husband had always wanted to go back to dairy farm his dad had come out when he was 10 so we were sort of looking for opportunities um because there was no family farm really that would come to us and so yeah in 2014 we went into partnership with another guy who we were already in business with um, to take on home farm so I was really when Tom said he wanted to go dairy farming I was like you're mad no way <laughs> absolutely not like we're not investing our life savings into cows no way yeah um, and he was earning quite good money doing what he was originally which is cattle foot trimming which yeah. is like a farrier for cows and you know we had a really sort of not easy lifestyle but you know it was it was a known a known lifestyle if that makes sense so yeah. it was a real risk taking on the farm um but it has been amazing so I I then I didn't originally start um helping on the farm probably six months in I sort of thought actually I really love this I'm gonna throw myself at this yeah so um I then you know it became quite quick that I became full-time on the farm we had um had Harry and Evie then and then yeah four four years ago I had Cecily our youngest Yeah. And so your account, your sort of numbers accountancy background, that's obviously been probably a huge asset in terms of looking at the fine details when it comes to running a farming business. Definitely. I mean, with farming margins are so tight that you really have to be on on it with the numbers. Um, and and also like, you know, getting a price for everything. You, you just have to be on those things. And also that helps me with my board stuff because I, I can look at things in, yeah, in a financial way that is it's super useful um and I suppose farming has although it is a lifestyle it has to be a business to be sustainable like mm. we have to make money to be able to make we're fully tenanted none of this is owned by us so yeah we've got rent we've got rents and you know good rents to pay that um it needs to be sustainable um in that sense yeah and you're always looking to the future and being able to plan for that whether or not it's putting inputs on the grass looking at the health of the cows looking at your replacements all those sorts of things that I suppose perhaps aren't taken for granted but actually when you look at it in a business head with a business head on that's exactly what you have to do and although you know it's really really nice to have that sort of close relationship with your livestock um or whatever it is that you farm at the end of the day it is a farm business and you are you know you've, you've got contracts to fulfill as well and um yeah 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 so important and so as a Arla dairy farmer um 
yeah. what do you produce obviously it's probably obvious but actually could you just talk no. a little bit about <laughs> yeah so <laughs> talk a bit um, about what you produce yeah so Arla is a as a, a like you said Millie a farmer owned cooperative which is it's quite a, I suppose a quite unique position to be in is that we all share part of the business um so we all own part of it so as well as our milk price we get a 13th payment depending on how well the, the business is done um and Arla produces products like they've got a lot of branded products from Lurpak, Anchor, Cravendale, Bob Milk, Skier, like lots of things. Mm. Um, we're actually organic, so our milk doesn't go into those ones. We our our biggest buyer of milk is McDonald's. About sixty percent goes into McDonald's, mm. which actually um, people don't realise, but the teas and coffees is all organic milk, and then a lot goes into under the Year Valley brand. Mm-hmm. So they're like fresh milk, uh, buttered cheese, all of that. Uh, and then some would go into like own brand if like a supermarket wanted their own brand organic um, product, then then they would buy it through through the cooperative. So, you know, it's a really, if you're buying sort of those sort of brands, um, you, that some of that money's going back directly to the farmer, which is, which is an amazing, amazing concept. And it just means that we're all driving for the same thing, like a strong milk price with a good, good return. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's one of the reasons why we um why we wanted to be with Arla in the first place is is always a fair milk price. Yeah, that makes sense. It might yeah. always be the highest. It's very good at the moment. Um, you know, it's it it has to be the costs of, of you know gone out not out of control, but they are high because of um feed and things. But um, so it's kept up. They did a lot of investing in brands about five years ago, and it's starting mm-hmm. to pay off now, which is which is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic because I mean, you know, it is something that that hits the headlines quite often is the price of milk. Um, and as a commodity, you know, when you go into a supermarket and something is the real value, isn't it? That um, yeah. actually you buy a bottle of water and it, it's actually more expensive than a bottle of milk. But actually, yeah. uh, you know, what what is, you know, what is the time that goes into producing it and all the behind the scenes stuff? It exactly. needs to be more valued as rather than a kind of loss Usually. leader in the supermarket. So um, and all the sort of added valued products now. I mean, I'm I'm on a, a, a funny sort of diet at the moment and I have to have lactose free milk but Arla are great because they do a lactose yeah. milk and they do lactose cheese lactose free cheese and you know all of that and I think so the companies like that are really looking at kind of all the extra markets not just making one thing and saying right here you go um it's sort of and then looking at developing the or involving farmers around the country um in their plans and things which which is which is great because I think a lot lot of others perhaps don't do so much um mm. and then are perhaps not so successful so it's, it's great to hear and um and do you have any diversification projects on the farm so we've got um we're involved in two bell tents which our landlord has at the other farm so we run across two sites mm. and um one yeah one has two bell tents which I help with um, they're going to sort of expand that a bit more, mm. um, which I probably won't. They then will probably need to employ someone full time, which is not something that I'd want to do. Mm. Um, and then um, we have White Park Castle, which are like big. They've got huge, big horns. Mm. Um, they're a rare breed. There's only 950 of them in the UK. And they are um, on a sort of nature restoration project. It's called Rewilding, but it's basically a our landlord's taken some land that wasn't productive at all and put mm. it um, back to nature. Yeah. Um, and so we we just keep the animal, we've got the grass keep on it for you mm-hmm. know peppercorn rent. 
but they they stipulate how many animals and they're used for beef so you you sort of kill them at three rather than two no concentrates fed and they just browse all year round don't come in the winter so they yeah so that's that's our diversification something i really want to do long term and probably in the next couple of years is do some cheese something i really want to do um i've just always wanted to do something specific with our product Mm. like with our milk um i still want to sell to arla um still i want that to be the main thing because i really believe in the cooperative structure but i do i would really like to have a small sideline cheese you know just something that i we'd enjoy and it'd be nice to be able to give to people and you just all of those things yeah and then you could do yeah agricultural shows or um yeah things like that and sell from the farm gate and things I think thing you know projects like that um can really take leg you know grow legs and you can fly because I think what people always invest in is the person behind the brand or the backstory and things like that. And and, yeah. and also, you know, being able to work with the cows and then um, have a better understanding of the, co- uh, the composition of milk and what flavor in the cheese and things like that. So I think, yeah, that, that sounds really, really exciting. Um, mm. And I'm sure someone like Arla would sort of, I don't know, invest in you or help support you. I mean, there's other grants available, I know, um, to help with those. I know the government have um, been distributing various grants, haven't they? And I'm sure there's probably local ones you could get. But um, yeah, yeah, um, so definitely watch this space. That sounds really exciting. (laughs) Um, And with with the White Park cattle then, so um, obviously they're going to beef. Uh, Are you doing them into beef boxes or are you supplying someone locally? Um, So I think we've got a really good restaurant locally, Brassica, which is does amazing food and we've we've sent um animals before from the dairy that we've you know fattened um mm. to them and we keep a couple a year and mm. and they have some of our meat so they probably will have some of it and then we just do we, we do quite a bit of mints and then just friend you know friends want to buy and then um we will do a few meat beef boxes mm. uh, i think there's probably only going to be two animals a year so it's not a lot of meat that we'll no. be um be selling but long term it might be something bigger and i just yeah, yeah definitely direct direct to customer just because it's such a high quality product um, yeah. i think it was sort of get lost in in you know in with other stuff which hasn't been read for so long yeah. um if we didn't but yeah no i'm excited and, and there's i think the estate as a whole is um it's got really good brand anyway so i think selling it through through them um long term would be a great great thing yeah again there's a really good story to tell there and I think you know when you're then putting it on a menu or something you're saying that it's sort of locally reared locally produced Mm. and low food mile sustainability it it all ticks the right boxes doesn't it and um yeah I'm you know it's good that you're getting a premium for that product as well because you know the sort of one well, it's not a downside, but obviously we're producing on that system. You're obviously rearing them for a lot longer, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And although they're sort of browsing uh, unproductive land, you still got to take care them, of them, yeah. you know. Yeah. So there has that that sort of added cost and also the risk with animal disease and uh, animal yeah. health and all of that sort of stuff. So, you know, it, it, it it's good to hear that you, you've, you've got that and uh, you've got a good market. And uh, yeah. Uh, presumably in your area as well because there's a lot of tourism that that will have a part to play I think in the future uh, especially if you're going to do yeah. cheap um, yeah I hope so I think there's a really um, especially like Bridport we're quite near Bridport's got a real really good farmer's market and it's mm-hmm. just 
a real foody place, some really nice restaurants and stuff there. So I think, and Lyme Regis, like they've got some great, that's just down the road, they've got some great restaurants there too. So it's just being sort of part of a area which produces great food um yeah. will make it easier when when we manage to do something ourselves yeah you'll have to start applying for some of these awards as well because there's like the uh, southwest farmer award and the yeah. <laughs> food and farming you'll have to start yeah putting Lays. some of your products forward and then that, that yeah. will really you know help sort of endorse what you're doing uh how do you fit everything in around raising your three children um because you obviously said you get up early and do your work before they yeah. go to school and things but obviously it's like school holidays and when they're ill you know how do you do it I think the biggest thing is that I'm not afraid to ask for help which Mm -hmm. would be the thing so I've got a really so when Cecily the youngest goes to a childminder three days a week and which she loves and she does all her arts and crafts and all of that stuff there and I don't feel guilty about that at all um my older two are at school till quite late just they do activities and stuff at school so they don't come home till quarter to six so um they have long school days but in the holidays I suppose they're a bit older and they you know they're so lucky they have so much space here they Mm. can go off you know I don't don't have to entertain them as such but they can be on the farm but that when they're ill at least I'm at home even though I need to work they they can be with me yeah. that's the flexibility of working for yourself I don't I think I would really struggle to go into an office and work now yeah. um but you know meal wise the Argus my best friend yeah. um I'm I often in the winter will make when we're having breakfast I'll be making something for supper that's yeah. just going to go in low and slow yeah. all day and just like I probably double up on portions and then Tom often will eat, eat it for lunch if that makes sense yeah. so uh and we've got like um, everyone comes in for breakfast so there's always like food around um, yeah. and then um, I think I've just lowered expectations yeah like my house is pretty messy but it's it's fun and it's you know there's full of people always and mm. I just much rather than remember you know remember it like that than it pristine yeah um, so yeah. that's what I that's how I cope is that I've lowered expectations definitely and learning to say no to things that really you don't want to do yeah so uh, yeah, I'm not not so good at that yet. But my also my dad's amazing. He's retired, and he comes uh, in the summer not so much. But he he in the winter he'll come every other week, and he'll help me with school runs and things like that. If I if I'm away on board stuff, because I can with Arla be away. I've been in Denmark twice recently, and then up to Leeds. And um, then my dad um, comes that week always, and he'll do the school runs. So because Tom just can't fit all of that in with the cows, mm. I definitely haven't got the work life balance. but I feel like any of us have I kind of feel a bit like it doesn't feel like work so I don't feel bad Mm. if that makes sense Mm. it's not like a um it doesn't feel like work work Mm. that makes sense Mm. well you're obviously doing exactly what you need to be doing you know you love you do what you love um and that's what that's the secret to success I think in in happiness in life is finding something that you love doing and it never feels like Mm. a chore or a job does it um no no I I feel exactly the same in the sense that working for myself and being around and supporting my husband on the farm and the children are completely embroiled in the farm life but actually you know they go to holiday club and at preschool and things as well and it's just yeah it's um take that guilt away yeah but definitely definitely, but also um allowing them to be a little bit feral or you know it's not sort of uh living up to those expectations and what have you it's kind of like 
children have survived on farms for generations you know they're not yeah, having definitely. to kind of um you know uh live to routine all the time so um yeah no there's some great take-home messages for people listening um but what what does the future look like for you you've obviously sort of alluded to a few things with cheese and um <laughs> um yeah future plans but is there anything else that's sort of burning desire or you know you're just sort of looking at um, the number of cows that you have or what's the future? Yeah, I think I think because we're sort of share farm with a business partner, I think long term obviously we want to be tenants in our own right. Um mm. we have we have the tenancy on one half of the farm and then he has the other. So I think making a plan and making it secure for ten years is our, our thing at the moment. That's being discussed at the moment. Mm. So we're getting that signed up and things uh will give me a bit more headspace to be able to focus on what I want. Uh, I just want to keep doing the farm and as long as I enjoy it, I'll keep doing it. I want probably to do a bit more comm stuff that I, I do quite a bit with Arla with like promoting Arla as a brand, but I would probably like to do a bit more of that. So whether I develop that through being on the board or whether it, it involves another board job, I don't know. I just, I like being able to have that balance between mm. being fully emerged in the farm, but also being able to, you know, go away for like, I'm away for a night and a day tonight and tomorrow um, and using that part of my brain. Um, mm. just keeps me fresh on the farm if that makes sense yeah yeah and you're working with other professional people as well that exactly. are doing different things and you're picking up different skills and but also I mean communicating that that field to thought message what you're doing at home con- connecting with consumers um, it's so so important and I guess with being recognized as the sort of dairy women in uh, industry women of the year and um, I think I was on the did you get awarded it and it was during covid and we all had to yes. start yeah yeah so it's the women in dairy um conference wasn't it yeah yeah, it, yeah 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 so uh, I remember watching because I won a prize for one of the best tweets because I had the kids at home <laughs> and oh, I got that the, you Aww. yeah so um we were we were we made play-doh cows because I had the kids in the room with me so I got the play-doh out and we were making play-doh cows so I took a photo of it so I won the won the competition during the conference That's but so cool. but uh, I remember I remember you being awarded because it was stiff competition wasn't it there was two or three other Huge. women um yeah. that that you know I mean it, it's amazing to see how that organization has grown and what you're all doing um being fantastic ambassadors for for women in dairy oh I know definitely and I and I um it's been a really nice environment to be able to ask questions that I've you know that maybe you couldn't ask in other groups if that makes mm. sense like is everyone you just always feel so welcome and like you can bring kids with you or like there's no there's no restrictions on being able to come that you know they mm. if you want to come for half an hour and out you know they're very welcoming and also it's good to meet other local women in the area mm. um I go to flip between Dorset and Somerset because um where we live we're right on the border so I get yeah. you know sort of get access to a few of them and actually I'm going to be judging this year's Oh, so, fantastic. yeah, I know. I'm a bit nervous about that. No pressure. Oh, but, brilliant. Because um, that I must know. be quite soon. I think they yeah, are. Yeah, soon. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to give up my crown. No. I don't have to give it up. <laughs> I think I still get to keep it. But, yeah, um, it, yeah it'd be great to have the next three. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, let's just talk about cooking. Um, yeah. Do you enjoy cooking? You've nodded at, you've given me a, a signal about the use of your agar, but what yeah. are your go-to meals or recipes that you enjoy cooking? I think spaghetti bolognese, anything mince-based, so bolognese, um, lasagna, um, what else do we have? Like chilli, like anything like that is my go-to. Or I do a tomato sauce, pasta sauce, 
um, quite a lot because I can get it all in and then cook it for like 12 hours maybe mm. um and then we then it's ready to go it's warm and then sometimes we chuck the pasta in one of the best hacks I learned recently was chucking the pasta in the sauce yeah as long as dry, it's watery yeah. enough yeah mm. and then just having a whole meal there and not having to even turn the hot plate on mm. um because our argo we have to turn the we had it converted so that it's the low electric yes it's so expensive to run so I have yeah. to turn the hot plates on for it so I'm just learning to use the argo in a different way yeah um but chucking dry pasta in is amazing yeah uh, I mean jacket potatoes is so great in the mm. argo um so you know toast but my kids what well, I, I always remember at the weekends we probably eat a bit more you know a bit fancier stuff but at the, in the week they've all had cooked meals so I just mm. always remember that we often will have a cooked meal but mm. if if I need to just give them like beans on toast I'm not worried about doing that mm. Do you know like I'm, I'm yeah. not yeah but I always like in the breakfast we a couple of times a week we'll have some something cooked because um the other guys in the farm we we always give them breakfast so you know my daughter always is making pancakes like every <laughs> she's trying to do it every day so um uh that creates quite a mess but I'm letting go of that one yeah um but we've always got eggs and you know she makes cakes quite a lot I'm not so much of a baker actually mm. I did do sourdough for a while um but then you just get out of it don't you and then it's mm. you know starting again you have to get um, into the mindset don't you and the timings yeah. and making things in advance and yeah, yeah 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 so it can be a bit onerous yeah um but yeah. uh no I know exactly what you mean with you know balancing those kind of hot meals but also trying to do something really quick as well and and not feeling guilty I mean I try and post on my blog about you know oh the kids are just having you know nuggets and alpha bites tonight because yeah, I just yeah, don't yeah. have time and I, I don't think we should feel guilty about that that but um equally when we do have the opportunity to produce something really um uh nutritious and especially using produce from the farm as well and so presumably like the mint you're using is is from your own livestock so good and you can really taste the difference can't you it's not so watery and um it goes a lot further you don't need as much and you can like add like i put in mine I always like grate carrot into it. I can grate courgette into it. Like grating stuff just makes it invisible. So Mm. easy. Just grate stuff into it. I can get sort of loads of vegetables into it without them even realising. Yeah. Um, And then lots of tin tomatoes and vegetable stock cube. And then, yeah, yeah, then away, top up. Yeah. Um, But if you've got good quality meat, then we we eat um, meat most days, but um, probably less than we did because we we only really buy from people we know or we're just a bit... I think as producers ourselves, I think it's that conscious thing that you you want to know that it's been had a good life yeah definitely definitely and so how can people find out more about you you're obviously on social media um can you just sort of give us a little bit of a flavor of where you are yeah follow um so I probably use Instagram too much but I am under some well my I think you call it a handle yeah embarrassing isn't it handle is uh farmer underscore in underscore training yeah, because I kind of people say, "Oh, you should change that safe because you're not in training anymore." I said, "But mm. every day is a school day on the farm. Like, I am definitely not qualified in this. I still feel like I'm massively blagging it." But we'll, yeah, we, I, I, I just it kind of stuck and like it's been there. Yeah, I don't know how long I've been doing it. Maybe five years. Yeah. Um. So it's it's yeah, I've not changed it and it's stuck. I'm on Twitter, but I don't use Twitter as much. Just Sophie be Acklin, which is my maiden name and then um I don't really use Facebook um I don't really I think Facebook people use it for local groups certainly mm. but I just don't tend to I have it but I don't tend to use it but those no. two 
Mm. I did get into Clubhouse at one point, but that's um, I think that's, that's fizzled quite, out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, fizzled out. It yeah. has, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. quite shouty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. yeah, definitely. And TikTok's kind of like the next best thing, oh, isn't it? I'm yeah. too, I feel too old for TikTok. Yeah, yeah. No, My well, kids like TikTok, so yeah. I'm just a bit old for that. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. No, it's um. Now, uh, your social media feed, especially your Insta um feed, is really, really interesting. All the pictures and stories. You're really sort of wow. counting your life <laughs> on a dairy farm, which is brilliant <laughs> because you don't quite know who's watching who's following that's the beauty of social yeah, media and especially exactly. you know you, you're reaching out to a global audience then aren't you um yeah and, you know especially getting behind some campaigns and things it really yeah. does make a difference I think so yeah, I mean definitely. keep up the amazing work with all of that um oh, because you. um you know it is so important and I think we've all got to stick together really and just keep on flying the flag and just promoting the benefits and 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 what we're doing to you know manage the environment and all, all the things around here are some time-saving hacks for you to try at home roast dinner soup okay I always seem to over cater on meat and vegetables when cooking a roast dinner on a Sunday um often because I don't know who might turn up so there's always a meal for somebody now, I don't like to let anything go to waste. And so sometimes when I've got a leftover meat, I make a casserole or stir fry or I'll put the meat into sandwiches um, for the next day. But have you ever thought about whizzing up all the leftover veg, meat and gravy into a tasty, warming winter soup? It's a real crowd pleaser at home, although it can be quite thick. So I often pour in some stock to make it a bit more palatable. It's entirely up to your preference, but I hate to see food waste. Um, and this is great um, when making a meal go further. And obviously you can freeze that as well. In season right now, I've got loads of pumpkins and squash in my garden. I go a little bit mad growing pumpkins and squash, mainly for the kids. Um, they love watching the pumpkins go crazy growing all over the garden. Lots of different colours, shapes. I've got a white pumpkin called Polar Bear which is a big hit this year. It's growing massive. I've also got plenty of butternut squash and I love to roast it and treat it the same like you would a potato. It's also nice roasted with some rosemary, chili flakes, just to give it a little bit of a heat as well. And again, you can freeze that or have it in the fridge and have that as lunch or supper. How does that sound, Sophie? That sounds delicious. Wow. Um, I Have you got any tips for growing um, pumpkins? Because I seem to have failed at that quite a lot. Ah, I haven't so, managed to make make any pumpkins grow. Oh, so they need a lot of water. Um, okay. They, yeah. So when did can you get them to germinate? Can you get them yeah, to germinate? They germinate and then they sort of yeah go off off tangent. I don't know. They just don't seem to come produce an actual pumpkin. Oh, get them sort of green bit and then yeah, 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 not really yeah. anymore. Oh, mine have gone absolutely mad all over my garden. In fact, the whole of the bottom end of my garden, you just can't get down there because they've just just grow like triffids out everywhere i normally um pot them up get their roots um in the pot really well um established before planting them out and then you've got to be careful not to plant them out until after the the frost so you can't plant them out till like the beginning of june um and then you've got to be careful of the slugs because slugs will just absolutely wipe them out and then once they get going just make sure that they have a drop to drink regularly because they are quite thirsty yeah once they get going um they're fine but it's that first bit when you put them out that you know they can go either way so there's a that's the top tip really from me um because it's just something that I I enjoy doing because it's 
it, it I get the kids involved in that side of things. And yeah, they, they love lovely. It. Yeah, so um, such a versatile, isn't it? Versatile crop to have. Like, and also they don't go off, do they? Like, like no. you know, courgette, you pick them, and then within like a few, you know, not that long, you've got to, you know, you've got to use it up. Whereas the, the squash, they last longer, don't they? After? Oh yeah, you can just leave them in a shed or something, and overwinter them. You just got to be careful um, with the temperature change because sometimes they can get a bit, go a bit mouldy or what have you. But yeah, that's one of the reasons why I sort of try and store them and then use them as and when. Or I mean, you can they they can be a little bit of a faff in terms of actually like chopping them up and using them. But once you mm. sort of get into a bit of a habit of doing it, it is mm. so satisfying, especially when you know that you've grown something and involve your children with it as well. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah so that is all we've got time for today don't forget to tune into the next episode of the countryside kitchen meets on the first of each month you can subscribe on all major podcast streaming platforms and get in touch would you like to be on a future episode want to drop me a line and share me some recipes suggestions anything just drop me a line because i'd love to hear from you it's just a really nice community to be a part of um so drop me a line my email is hello at millie5.com and you can also follow me on my food blog no fuss meals for busy parents on facebook instagram and www.nofussmealsforbusyparents.com for top tips time saving hacks and recipe ideas and also meet the producer as well because i'm really keen on shining a light on people around the uk that are doing amazing things but perhaps don't have the time to really promote what they're doing so I'm just trying to give everyone a helping hand and make people aware of what's happening in their area and um, but Sophie thank you so much for joining me it's Aww. been incredible chatting to you keep up the amazing work because I'm just going to follow you with so much interest oh thanks so much for having me Millie it's been Aww. really fun great all right well have a good rest of the day and uh thank don't, you. don't work too hard okay all right. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> see nice you to soon. meet you yeah and bye you bye. take care bye bye bye, bye. bye. brilliant see you